Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and a warm welcome to Wellness with Liz Earle. And today I am joined by Rose Enthusiast and founder of The Real Flower Company, the appropriately named Rose B. Morton, defending the charm of homegrown traditional garden roses over their more commercial cousins. Rosebery can be found giving guided tours through her beautiful Hampshire paddocks and experimenting with new varieties to add to her already extensive repertoire. She's a champion of buying British flowers as well as sustainable sourcing from much further afield in places such as Kenya. A very warm welcome, Rosebury. We last met in a field, actually, didn't we? Down we did. on your farm in just outside Petersfield. That's right. Yep, near, well, a bit closer to Winchester, but yes, yeah. in the rain. In the rain, still growing flowers. Still very much growing flowers. But your yeah. farm, it wasn't always flowers, was it? Did you start more conventionally? We started, well, we're, we're, we're arable anyway, mm. and we also have sheep. Um, we've got about 1,400 sheep, and we were looking to do something else well 20 years ago now actually for my sins and I always felt that there weren't enough scented roses in in the um, flower shops so that's just... really true why is that you know when you go and buy roses and instinctively the first thing you do is hold a bunch to your nose yeah. and they don't smell exactly so why, and... why don't roses smell that we buy in in most commercial you know like supermarkets yeah. or florist shops um basically they um the breeders went down the route of longevity and color in roses and they forgot about the scent gene. And there's no two ways about it. Flowers with scent do not last as long. Why is that? Is that because the, the flower puts all their power into yeah, the fragrance? Basically, and it's all part of the dying process. So it's the flower has scent to attract the insects. So once the insects have pollinated the flower, the flower will start to then go into reproductive mode, um, which will start ah, its, its dying process. But to me, a, you know, a flower without scent is a bit like... A face without a smile, you know, an expressionless <laughs> yes. face. You know, yes. they have to. I, I feel yeah. that they, they really need scent. I agree with you. It's the sort of the third dimension, isn't it? Otherwise, yeah. they are just a bit sort of flat and. They could be plastic. Well, they could be. I guess so. They could, couldn't they? How very interesting. So, where did this passion for flowers come from? Did you, you know, you were obviously looking to diversify, but why flowers? I mean, you could have gone into, I don't know, rapeseed oil or something else. Absolutely. Why, why flowers? <laughs> um, I was born and bred into a mad horticultural loving family mm. it was it was gardening or golf okay i chose gardening is that why you're called roseby is that your real name or is that a flower name i was christened rosemary 
and I got called Roseby from day one. Um, my brother. Great, so it, it is your real name. Could, yeah, so, and that's, so Roseby is doing roses. Yep, so I know it's a bit mad, fun? isn't it? Totally mad. Love it. Obviously meant to be. So you were brought up with flowers So then. I was brought up with flowers. We were an army, uh, an army background. We moved around all over the world. And my mother always took some scented roses with her. So Margaret Merrill, which is my absolute number one. That is an amazing rose. rose. Can it you describe is. for us the, the wonder that is Margaret Merrill? <laughs> Margaret Merrill is a sort of quintessential English rose. She is sort of in tight bud. She looks like a sort of slightly ivory blush. And then she opens to this beautiful, um, I mean, it, it's just, I can't really describe how... Is it very petally? It's, it's not very petally. It's very simple. Mm. And I think that's half its charm. Real classic. But it has the most beautiful stamens, which are sort of ready in the ready stamens. Oh, pretty. And from every stage, it's just stunning. And, and the scent. And the scent is, I mean, my children say, actually, we, we, it's like a drug. Once yeah. you've put your nose in it, you can't. Not that they would know anything about that, of no, course. Of course but, not. No. <laughs> but they, they, you know, they, they can't believe yeah. the scent, and people just love it. I do remember we were very fortunate actually to come and do some filming with you on the farm when we were doing a feature for Lizard Wellbeing magazine, and I was given the um, the trip into the chiller room, which was filled with Margaret Merrill and the scent. You have to make a fragrance of I know. that, you know, yeah. the real flower company, yeah. you know, real flower fragrance using that the real oil. I'm sure you could find some wonderful perfumer who would distill it. And we need to, well, we create. need to talk further on that because I think mm. I think Margaret Merrill. Uh, there is no scent like it. It no. is just and even when you're feeling at your rock bottom low mm. you know and you put your nose in that that rose you just you can't help the smell it's... well we do know that the that the smell can shift mood yeah and that very close connection the part of the brain the limbic system that controls our mood and emotion is is very quickly um literally motivated and yeah. directed by by fragrance and smell which it's is... the memories as well isn't it because yes. everybody who puts their nose in a rose and actually, um, Lily did it this morning with with, um, with the Lily of the, the Lily Valley. Of the Valley. Yes. And it, you know, she, it, it just reminds me of X. And everyone always harks yeah. back to when they remember that scent from. Yeah. And that's the, you know, your original question about how did I get into it? Mm. I think it's hooked in my brain, that scent. It's always been there. Yeah. And, you know, my grandmother had this beautiful rose garden. And, it, you know, aged about three or five, I'd walk through the rose mm. garden breaking off heads I was probably very unpopular <laughs> and then and smashing them up to create a, a perfume yes. out of the, uh, you know making some filthy concoction that then doesn't last obviously because no, that's not actually how you make perfume but no, never mind but that, it, uh, yeah I thought it was a good <laughs> idea at the time and give it to my mother who would be very yep. tactful say oh lovely thank you so much oh. <laughs> and that's where it all started from so you started growing flowers and did you think that you would do them as a commercial crop I mean what did you think when you were doing your business plan for the farm and you started having flowers growing my husband would laugh if you can mention of a business plan because it was very much started on I'm just going to put I've seen a gap in the market I know we need we need scent scented roses I'm just going to put 60 in my mother-in-law's walled-in garden and we'll just see what happens mm. no business plan where where so, I mean he always does a business plan but this was very much let's just put them in and see what happens and it, it gathered momentum very how, quickly. How did you sell them? Were you selling them from the farm gate or did well, you have an outlet? No, the first the first 60, I basically, I took them round to various florists in London okay. and said, what do you yeah. think of these? Yeah. And they just went, we want more. Right. Do something okay. quickly. Yeah. So it was a slow process. We went from 60 to 300 to 1,000 to then field scale. Mm. Um, and I can remember my husband all the way along saying, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> I said, it's only going to be very small scale. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I just started to have children at the same time, so it all, you know, got a bit crazy very quickly. Gosh, and it did grow quite quickly, and soon you were selling into Covent Garden, into wholesalers? So it started, so actually, yeah, two years down the line, we were into Covent Garden, so mm. either Matthew, my husband, or I would be driving a Land Rover up into Covent Garden at two o'clock in the morning. And it was like being a Pied Piper. You'd get out of the Land Rover, yeah. pick, you know, with your little window boxes, because I didn't know how to how to grow them any longer, because mm. nobody could give me any advice, because no one was really doing it. So I'd walk in with my little window boxes of Margaret Merrill, amongst others, and people would just go, where are you going with those roses? And they'd follow they me. They'd follow the yeah, scent. Yeah, and so that was the first year. And actually after that, uh, cutting a, a long story short, I think Covent Garden weren't really up for it. I, they, I don't think they, they got it, but not yes. fully. So. I mean, it's a very big, big, slick commercial operation yeah. with huge numbers of flowers being shipped in on containers on a daily basis from Holland and well, all over the world. I think I was almost ahead of my time. Mm. Um, I think no, I, think you know, right, yeah. I don't think anyone really appreciated how powerful and how important scent in flowers mm. is. So I, they didn't laugh at me, but they definitely didn't take me particularly seriously. Yeah, I was a bit quirky. But that's sort of lady from a mad woman who's probably just playing at it and she's you know yeah. she's not going to last so I said right that's fine I quite understand where you're coming from but I'm going to go to the florist mm. so then I would drive around and we'd have keys to everyone's units and we'd drop off you know with all the sort of top names really? in London and they loved it because yeah. they loved a the fact they had scent and then we started to grow other flowers as well um, so what followed on then from the scented roses so we were doing funny enough we were doing scabies which doesn't have scent but it was just a really charming country really pretty really english country pretty flower isn't english it country and it flower. lasts it do does mm. but the mice like it which is unfortunate oh, what in the fields or in the, in the fields yeah. oh do they they come and eat what the roots or they the... come and eat the roots so the oh, first year they nice. were delivered we they actually i got a load of load of sort of um strikes delivered mm. and the guy who delivered them said um well here we are um i'll see you i'll be seeing you next year then and i said what do you mean by that then <laughs> that sounds really really promising he said no no they'll all be dead by then you'll need some more <gasps> And they were? Uh, the mice had quite a few. So we actually stopped growing scabies. Yeah. And I then started growing herbs and yes. other scented flowers and foliages because I felt that I wanted to create bouquets which everything had a story mm -hmm. and some either scent, scent or texture or something which mm. would you know, create this beautiful, just pick from the garden yeah. bouquet. Well, that is the lovely thing. If anybody's been lucky enough to receive a, a bouquet from the the Real Flower Company, is it is as if somebody has gone out and hand-gathered a big bunch of really beautiful English, yeah. you know, British flowers. And I know you're a great champion of buying British, aren't you, and British flowers and bringing a bit more um, life and, and knowledge into the fact that flowers so often come from all over the world and that there's a lot that we can do here isn't there to grow? There's a huge amount we can do here um, without a doubt and I think it's a case of, of seasonality Yes, um, that lovely word. We yes, love it is. You know, and, and we are we are very good at growing flowers. And I think there's there's nothing better. I mean, here we are looking at lily of the valley sitting on the table, which is you know the the, the at the moment it's at, at its best. Yes. Yeah, so we're recording this, you know, sort of late spring, early summer, and it's just amazing. And it's such a, a treat. It's like you know we suddenly get asparagus in the shops. Yeah. And, and you know you get lily of the valley in the florist or in the garden. 
and that smell again, I mean, it's taking me back, even just sitting here. We'll actually put some pictures on the website and, and on the podcast notes. So if you want to see what we look like here, surrounded by our beautiful flowers, um, sadly, you won't be able to smell them, but you get a real impression. Can imagine. Is this a particular variety of Lily of the Valley? Because it has a very strong scent. Or yeah, do you just get the one? It's basically just, yeah, Convalera, Grandifloria. It's just the classic one. Absolutely beautiful. And a tiny amount. I've heard, you can tell me whether this is true, that white flowers have stronger scent because they're white and they need to attract the pollinators. There's, yeah, there is a certain amount in that, mm, definitely. I mean, Margaret Merrill is, is a whitey colour. Yeah, Lily of the Valley is obviously white. Yeah, I know that, that is true. And and if you think of Nicotianas, you know, yes. a lot of the white ones tend to be the scented ones. Mm. And Freesias, the yeah, white course, ones white tend to freesias. be stronger than the other colours. Oh, so there is a bit of so science there is, in there. there is, I there love is. the way that you refer to um, the roses as she. I guess Margaret Merle, you'd have to because it's a lady's name. But are, are all it flowers is, feminine? Do you think? Well, they, you know, they don't know. You think there's there's lots of lots of male. Um, you know, there's the Orfellos and you know all the, okay, the, a lot yeah, of the David Austin ones are called yes. are called male names. But William Shakespeare, etc. But I'm afraid I still call them she. Yes. <laughs> very transgender, very, very modern. <laughs> Something about them. They just have that femininity, I yeah. think. Well, no, I agree with you. Like boats and yeah. ships are always she, aren't they? I come from a naval background, so you're army, I'm naval, so I'm used to boats and things being she's. Um, you're also very well known for sweet peas. Yeah. And I remember seeing you, you know, for years, actually, at Chelsea Flower Show with your beautiful, beautiful displays of, sh of sweet peas, which presumably, again, are, are very seasonal. So is that late spring, early summer? Is that the how long can you keep growing sweet peas for? It very much depends on on what the almighty throws at us. Right. Um, I mean, this year has been a very slow start. So they they were probably the about. Frost, so yes. So they're really probably about, about. They're, we grow them under glass um, mm. down at Chichester, but they still we don't heat them. Uh, we don't heat the glass houses, so we're we're governed by the by the weather. So they start probably end of March, beginning of April, and then they run through to well, depending on the heat really, um, mm. because sweet peas don't like heat, um, which people don't really understand, because you grow sweet peas in your garden and they flower in the, in the summer, summer. Mm. but you will undoubtedly see that if it's very hot and you don't water them, they'll get shorter. The stems will get shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. So we will probably stop growing, them, stop cutting them at the beginning of July. Right. And then that'll be that. And then we save the seed and then start the whole process mm. again. Um, it's interesting you talk about growing under glass and, and using, you know, heat and light and water. How environmentally friendly is the whole area of, of farming flowers? That's a really good question because there's been huge talk about it. And we, as you know, grow um, flowers on our sister farm in Kenya. Yes, I know. I've been to it. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. Yeah. And that's as, they are growing as sustainably as they possibly can. Mm. And in fact... Um, people will probably hate me for saying this. Every every Dutch person will undoubtedly because it's actually more environmentally friendly to bring them in from Kenya mm. than it is to grow them under heat and light in in Holland. That's such an interesting statement. So let's let's explain that. How how is it more eco friendly to grow in Kenya and then to fly them in than to grow? So they're in coming Europe? in on passenger planes yes. a lot of the time because obviously they're light. So it works very well to put them in the hold mm. of so a the So the planes are in the air anyway. planes are in the air anyway. And then, you know, there's no, there's nothing other than some water. They grow in sunshine? They grow in sunshine. So on, on the equator, so you're not yeah. having to have artificial We're, heat we're on light. the equator, got great sunlight. Mm. Um, we've got the perfect temperatures. Mm. We get the water off Mount Kenya. Yeah, um, and it's which collected. is an area that I know well. And actually, at the moment, there's I mean, unfortunately too much water. Yeah, they're really, really terrible area for flooding and flash flooding. And I think if you're clever with your irrigation and your water capture, 
then water is not necessarily an issue. It's for, definitely not. It so. really is not actually. Mm. And and um, the Hobbses who who um, farm out there, mm. the roses, you know, they've got this. They, they've been fantastic for the local community because yeah. up until then there wasn't fresh water. They've now they brought it in with irrigation. They brought it in. Mm. You know, they've 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 sort of re reinstated the dam, um, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. So all yeah. the locals, there's a huge. And actually, talk about <coughs> excuse me, talk about local, um, you know, wealth and sustainability, providing employment. Employment is key. Absolutely. And the flower industry, to use that term, flower farming, it is labour intensive because these things have to be hand picked, don't they? Because they're delicate. And there are obviously, you know, the dreaded AI word. There are the, 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 AI, the, as me. in artificial intelligence, and it's becoming more and more um, mechanised. Can you get robot flower pickers? You can. Mm. Which is scary. Not, so not we're for talking. Roses, no, not for. Well, actually, funny enough, the roses. Some of the very high tech places in, in Holland yeah. and elsewhere, the they're still pickers, but the roses will be transported round on a belt. So the picker will stand there, and the belts bringing the will bring the roses I to the see. pickers. So you just stand still, and you get and then they go the roses. So and I'm, you know the way the, the labour costs are, people are thinking more and more on that. But in but Kenya, to, to provide employment to communities where they it's, really it's need it, is, yeah. I mean the um, the Hobbses, I think, have about four or five hundred employees, mm. and for every employee, there are about eight dependents back at home. Gosh, that's thousands yeah. of people being supported, which is just and brilliant yeah. with amazing flat, fragrant roses. So yeah. do you get the same? Varieties, or what? What happens in terms of what you're growing here in the UK and what you can grow in Kenya? It's it's very interesting. What grows well here doesn't grow well there, which is perfect because it's. I mentioned seasonality earlier, but the beauty is that when we're bringing in our Kenyan roses, ours aren't producing, and the Kenyan ones are very different. Still, wonderfully scented. Are they really beautiful? Mm. Um, I mean, they they've got some exquisite varieties because Kenyan roses often have a bad reputation for they do. You know, they're sort of yeah. cheap ones in the supermarket or, you know, people stuffing roses through the windscreen, you know, when you're stopped on the yeah, coming out of London, used to happen a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, those little ditty ones with no scent. These are, it's all varietal. So it's what varieties you choose to grow. Mm -hmm. So if you grow a variety, um, you make sure you pick one with scent. Mm. Um, and that's what we've done in, in Kenya. Mm. Um, and they, you know, all their varieties are, are scented, more or less. Because there have been issues, haven't there, about um, rose growers being linked to pollution of lakes, I'm thinking things like Lake Naivasha yeah, in Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that still an issue? Is that still a hot topic amongst rose growers? I think it's probably less of a hot topic, but it's still a topic, mm. certainly in Naivasha. Um, but you know, it was all to do with water licences. So, you know, they were they were very quick to give every, anybody who wanted it a water licence there. Um, and then that was just too much. It was just too much for yeah. the system. And mm. I think, you know, as a, as a flower farmer or indeed any farmer, mm. you know, you are a custodian of the landscape. And you need to um, farm it as sustainably yes. and as environmentally consciously as you possibly can. Mm. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Is there more awareness in in florists and in the flower industry? Will we be seeing? labels like fair trade or sustainably produced going on to flowers do you think is there any kind of accreditation system coming in definitely um i mean actually funny enough um waitrose for example are just are very keen on promoting leaf what's leaf? linking environment and agriculture mm. and it's a very very good um good thing to be to, to be a member of so is that just flowers or is that no 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 that's that's, that's, so that's food as well, well it's, it's across the arable sector anything so you grow yes yeah, basically anything you grow mm. and the, the kenyan farm is is leaf accredited it's not easy to, to do so but it's it's the way to go and we are back at home as well and we take it very seriously so it's a global yes. network that you can be part of yeah and you have you know you have to do massive audits and it's all to do with you know how you're you're um looking after your insects and um what you're doing as the far pollinators. as yeah, all that sort of i was of at a, a fascinating event actually just last night talking about um protecting some of the british bumblebees and i hadn't realized that i mean i should know this but i will confess i didn't know <laughs> that bumblebees don't make honey yeah they are just pollinators mm. all they are here for is to pollinate and there you are say certain all. That's well, huge. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly, it is. I mean, it is, you know, creating our food. They are yeah. our service workers. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're the beautiful, big, fat, sort of hairy, fluffy bees. And I did see one in my kitchen, I think it was only a week ago. And yeah. I thought, oh, that must be a queen bee because she's so massive. Or he is so massive. Yeah. And I hadn't realised that it was the humble yeah. bumblebee yeah. who was busy going about creating our food. And there is a variety of bumblebee. Um, and I'm actually going to get the lady from the Bumblebee Conservation uh, Society to come in and do a podcast on oh, this because I thought it was a whole, so fascinating. There is a bumblebee that will only pollinate tomatoes. And if this bee becomes extinct and it is endangered, there will be no more tomatoes. Heavens. Isn't There's that extraordinary? No other bee that will apparently, pollinate. Apparently. So I, I need to know more about this. That is but amazing. Obviously, pollinators are key for totally key. farmers. Yeah, so absolutely. are you naturally pollinated where you are? Or, yes, or we do you are. do artificial pollination? No, we're naturally pollinated. And we have, I mean, one of the, one of the, the main things is to have a diversity of crops. And arable farming has has you know monoculture is is not good news as far as pollinators no. go and one of the, the things that leaf's very keen on is to have margins on the edges of your fields with rough grass 
and untidiness. You know, we're all so quick to keep our gardens tidy and so on. And Forget it. And have no, some no. scruffy areas. Yeah. Have nettles. You know, we yeah. need them. For, we do. For the wildlife love nettles and pollinators and butterflies and yeah. dragonflies and all sorts. Totally. So our our farm, certainly the flower, the flower side, we've got a massive. We're growing about 150 different flowers and foliages. So there's a massive diversity of different flowers, um, and you know the, the the different insects is phenomenal, mm. really phenomenal, wow. and that's what you need in a garden. So you know, you know, make sure you have as much of a mix as you can. Mm. That's why I'm, I'm actually I'm not anti, but I never sort of advocate rose gardens per se because I think you want to mix your roses with other, you know, other um, yeah. flowers and um, foliages to bring in as many. Beneficials. Do you have guided tours and things on the farm? Do you have open days? Or, you know, if people are listening and think, God, that sounds so idyllic, I'd love to come and have a look. Yeah, have a look on the Real Flower Company's website yeah. because we do, we do do, um, not so, you can you can join a course. We do, I do mm -hmm. farm walks mm -hmm. um, and then I do things on, on you know, people are, it's all smoke and mirrors, roses. People are quite scared <laughs> about growing roses. Really? So I do give talks and lectures on how to grow roses and what are your what top varieties. tips for the summer? Um, I think, and top, you have to keep deadheading. Yes, you do. Is you that must right? keep deadheading. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, it, you, it's almost—it's like you, know, you need to start earlier. So, in, in an ideal world, you need to have pruned properly in February, right. March, and fed them. Don't worry if you haven't done that. It's, what do they like to eat, roses? What do they like to eat? Lots. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> do you have to give them special food? Um, no, they just need a—they need a good general-purpose fertilizer, but mm -hmm. also a bit of organic muck round mm -hmm. round the rose. Nice Not, bit of compost bit of compost is really popular and if it's a newly planted rose you need to make sure that you keep it watered right. because they don't you can plant a rose at any time of the year can you but we, it's not a problem but you do have to really keep it watered can you I, take your rose that you've been given in a pot and put yeah. it outside yes Did totally absolutely variety it won't won't mind that won't mind that as long as you dig a decent hole mm -hmm. and really make sure that the pot is well watered to start with the mistake people make is that they put a plant in without really saturating the root ball to start with. Right. So and then, then you're you always water on after the back it. Foot. Okay, so soak the, the root first. Yeah. And that goes for anything. If you're buying in a, a new Absolutely. plant, soak it. I give talks at Hampton Court and I'm often, you see all these people in the front rows, well, not just front rows, but the whole auditorium is full of people with plants. And I'm always saying to them, make sure when you get home and you're knackered that yeah. you water that plant really properly before yeah. you plant it. Yeah. And then what about clipping and, and cutting? So if you've got your roses and you want to bring them indoors, what's the best way? I was told that you should cut them at an angle, cut the stem at an angle so that they they draw up more water. Is that true? Absolutely. The more surface area you've got to take the water up, the better. So um, we, you always cut everything at an angle. People mm. always, you know, they always talk about, should I bash it? Should I do this? Should I do that? No, forget all that. Just make sure you cut it at an angle. Um, preferably pick them early in the morning before it's too hot. Mm -hmm. um, once the dew's gone, because you're putting a plant that's been in the sun all day is going to be lacking water. A bit like us. Exactly. It's going to be a bit floppy, a bit dehydrated. Yeah. So actually, you know, where some of us, not all of us are good first thing in the morning, but, <laughs> but they, they are definitely. <laughs> that's plus, their time. That's okay. their time. So pick them in the morning. I mean, I, I, I love listening to myself saying this because I pick them at any time of the day. Right. But if you want to get the most out of <laughs> yeah. them, pick yeah. them early in the morning, get them in, give them a good drink, having cut them mm -hmm. on a slant, and then put them in a clean vase. And that's absolutely critical because the biggest killer of flowers is dirty water. Mm. So Do you, you put anything in with the water? Do you put Yep. sugar cubes or I mean you know, asp aspirins people talk about all sorts of things don't you they? can do anything like that I mean you really it's not rocket science it's basically the sugar is feeding the flowers so um, sugar is a good thing it is a good thing yep mm. no you want you know exactly the same as us we need food yep. and water so uh, and you put a little two or three drips of bleach 
which mm-hmm. keeps the water fresh, yep. so it stops the bacteria building up. Um, and then a little bit of um, vinegar, um, mm. just for a bit of acidity in the water. Mm. And that really helps. That helps and, to keep the water clean. Yeah. Interesting. It so the little sachets difference. of flour food. That's that, basically that's what so it's often, got. That's, that's the little mixture, is yep. it? But you can do that yourself. You can yourself. do your own, yeah. And you'll find, I mean, the other thing actually interesting is seeing, you know, the lily of the valley, harking back to, mm. in glass, especially in the summer, Ideally, don't put your flowers in a glass vase because it gets much hotter quicker. So put your fl- uh, put um, things like terracotta or yeah. ceramic much right. better to really? keep flowers cool. So in the a summer. nice china or something that, as you say, doesn't heat up in that same a way. Copper, copper bowl, something like that. Anything. Gosh, that yeah. makes real sense. Or you could have a liner, couldn't you? I guess if you had a beautiful glass vase, you yeah, know, perhaps patterned or coloured glass, you could have something inside it sure. that was. But it does, it makes a huge difference. And it's interesting, we do farmer's markets um, when we start cutting our English English roses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get various people who come who literally make the flowers last a week. And the ones I've really talked to who really seem to, you know, they say, I only threw them away last night, which is pretty good going that for a good, garden yeah. rose. And um, they all seem to have them in, in metal containers. So metal containers are a good way of keeping your yeah. flowers cooler. How fascinating. Yeah. And no, don't put them on a windowsill in full sun. Don't obviously. put them in, in bright sun. Yeah. Or, or if you are going to display them for an evening, just put them there, but don't leave them there. Exactly. And then put them yeah. in a nice... You can extend your... I mean, if you, or outside, maybe. Outside, just somewhere cool. Mm. Um, I mean, I know everyone's got a life and really there's a limit to what yeah. you want to do but at it's, the end I mean, of the day. if it's for a special event or yeah. something and you're really trying to maximise the, the impact and get the best out of them. Definitely. I mean, they are... An, you know, the beauty of them is they're an ethereal product and they're not going yeah. to last as long as, you know, yeah. your, your bog-standard... Yeah, Rose, you know flowers. And tell me about the bunches because I, I really loved learning from you how to tie a bunch. So when I've got my flowers, what's the the sort of method to creating the the most beautiful looking bunch of flowers? I think it's to keep it natural and to make sure you pick flowers with some movement. You know, and the foliage is I think foliage is key as well. Um, Do and you start with foliage and then add the flowers? Or? Well, you start. I normally start with um, a rose or a rose in the middle and then a couple of bits of foliage and then build on that in a sort mm-hmm. of spiral so right. I normally uh, people talk about hand tied bouquets spiraling a bouquet means that when you put it in any container it'll just flop over in a really natural mm. fashion and it's not difficult to do it really isn't um, but it's really what you use I mean you some flowers are much more forgiving than others the more natural, the more gardeny looking they are, the more slightly quirky looking, the easier it is to arrange them. So that you can't get too obsessed with symmetry, or no? Well, you can if you're that sort of person, but yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, and I have to say, we have Rosby and I have worked on a, the most beautiful bouquet, which we're calling the well-being bouquet because not only does it look beautiful and it's got a lot of that lovely dark pink that we use a lot as our well-being as our house colour, but it's filled with herbs and it's just got this amazing aroma and at the moment we've got it with lots of lovely sweet peas because that's the the summer flower and we're, we're doing that together as a collaboration on the real flower company website which is really exciting and we're going to Very. be featuring that in the summer issue of lazar wellbeing magazine as well which is brilliant with a tour behind the scenes of your farm so yeah. we're really going to bring this to life so if you're listening to that in real time you can go to the news agents and pick up the copy and actually have a look if you're listening to it in the future then we'll be putting stuff online so you can see as well but it's such a lovely collaboration. And I think flowers, for me, they're always the lifeblood. I'm often interviewed about, you know, how I live or, or what I bring in at home. And every point of the year, I always have something real 
um, and it, even if it's not roses or flowers that are blooming in the garden, I have real foliage. Yeah. Actually, I think even just structured green leaves can look so beautiful, can't they? We all need, you know, some, some nature in, in the yeah. house. And it doesn't matter yeah. what it is, but it's, you know, I think we, we often just get away from that. And it's so mm. important. To so important us. for people's well-being, mm. really is. Wonderful. Well, that's a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for being with us. That is all we've got time for today. But as always, you can find all the resources and the links that we've mentioned for everything in today's show at lizellwellbeing.com. You can also sign up to our newsletter for recipes. We've actually got some lovely things going on with um, floral recipes and flowers in cooking. We've got wellbeing wisdom, lots more floral fancies, of course, and the behind the scenes information as well. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to ensure that your next episode gets downloaded safely onto your podcast app. And if you'd like to, do please take a moment to leave a review as it all helps other people to find the show here. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.